It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. thermometers, 2,000 surrounding us, travel 2,000 kilometers to hang out with us. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? Hey, didn't know they doubted us. Makes it that more marvelous. Sign them up, because ominous vibes and I get synonymous. What's up, danger? Hey, don't be a stranger, because I like hot. It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hello, Bengals fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We have a crazy amount of news today in Bengals Nation, but before we get to it, I just want to give you the quick reminder to tell your smart device to listen to podcasts Lockdown Bengals when you get into your car and you're going to work in the morning or you're coming home at night when we do one and a half hour episodes like we did yesterday. That's a great way, easy way to listen to the podcast, get in the habit. And from there, we'll just talk about some news. There are... A surprising amount of news stories today. The combine started. Nothing really on that yet. Uh, except maybe the combine starting is what lit a fire under the Bengals' butt in getting some of these coaches hired. And we do have reported hires for the defensive line and for the linebackers. Nick Eason is reported to take over as the defensive line coach by Tom Pelissero, amongst other NFL reporters. He was a longtime defensive lineman in the NFL, played in a 3-4, has been coaching mostly 3-4 since 2013. He was going to be taking over as defensive line coach at Vanderbilt, but will spurn the, what are the, what's the Vanderbilt mascot? Mandy's. I don't think that's it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's like Commanders or something. Anyway, it's Commander. definitely not Commanders. Man. That's Commodores. Commodores. I knew it was a C military thing. Anyway, he was going to go coach the defensive line there. And unlike the Ohio State co-defensive coordinator who turned down the Bengals, Eason will spurn the Vanderbilts for this NFL opportunity. He has coached in the NFL in two different stints. One uh, in Cleveland in 2013 and then for four years in Tennessee from 2014 to 2017, including three years under Dick LeBeau's two-gap 3-4 front of Dick LeBeau when he was coordinating the defense in Tennessee. As Joe's pointed out to me, the two-gap 3-4 is essentially dead in the NFL for all intents and purposes, but I find this hire interesting just because this is a guy who played in a 3-4, comes from a 3-4 from a coaching perspective, and I with, with Anna Rumo's hiring, I was initially expecting... No surprises. We're going to stick with the 
Yeah, and I remember watching a lot of Titans games, especially on the defensive line. I graded defensive linemen, especially, uh, well, one year was ends, one year was interior guys, for Bleacher Report. And I watched a lot of the Titans because I did AFC both years. And around that time, it was Jarrell Casey and uh, Derek Morgan was a top pick for them. Carl Klug inside, they'd kick him inside and and pass rush from the nickel. Uh, So, you know, mostly they got after it, and they were a good defensive unit. And, you know, there was nothing glaring you can really take from a defensive line coach and what they're doing with their defensive players. When they have high picks or in good players, Jarrell Casey is going to succeed no matter who the defensive line coach is. Not to say that Nick Eason maybe doesn't take some credit for it, but uh, point remains, I think the larger idea here is that he comes from a different defensive background than Anarumo does. And because of it, maybe we talked a little off air before we came on here. What does that mean? Does it mean they want to go more multiple up front? Does it mean a push to a three, four or two gapping system? You know, the defensive coordinator is still a four, three coverage kind of guy, but does this allow them to mix it up a little bit and have different ideas and different input? Well, the linebacker coach might give us another sign, and that's going to reportedly be Tem Lubaku, who uh, is currently has has been confirmed to be leaving Mississippi State. He's a linebacker coach there. Footballscoop.com is reporting that he's joining the Bengals staff. So it's not a confirmed report yet that he is joining the Bengals staff. That is the only report out there, though. It is confirmed that he's leaving Mississippi State to take an NFL job, so it's a safe bet that it is the Bengals' job. I asked Kat Terrell of ESPN if she had heard anything. She said she'd follow up on it. So at the time of recording, we don't have confirmation that he will be the linebacker coach, but that is a working assumption at this point. Lubaku was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and attended Colgate University, where he was a three-year starter at linebacker and third-team All-American, so had some success as a college linebacker from Africa. He has four years of NFL coaching experience to his credit, two of those as a defensive quality control coach in San Francisco from 2016-2017, and two years in Tampa Bay as a defensive assistant in 2012-2013. to He coached defensive line at Florida International University in 2015 and coached outside linebackers at Colgate, at Rutgers, and at Rhode Island. Interestingly and noteworthy, I think, in this conversation is that at Colgate and at Mississippi State, Lubaku coached linebacker units who were in their first year of transitioning to a 3-4 defense. And also, he the Rutgers defense he coached was definitely a 3-4, and I wasn't able to confirm uh, at Florida International and at Rhode Island before recording. So at some of those stops at, at Colgate, he was coaching pass rushers outside outside linebackers that were transitioning to a 3-4. At Mississippi State, he was just a linebackers coach in the first year that they moved to a 3-4 after being a 4-3 in 2018. So we have a couple of guys coming on at key defensive positions that actually care about whether you're in a 3-4 or a 4-3 to some degree who have a lot of experience with only three down linemen. And it's important to note three, four outside linebacker, because a lot of teams will have an outside linebacker coach and an inside linebacker coach for that position, because they're wildly different in three, four. You might as well be a defensive end if you're a three, four outside linebacker coach. And maybe that's where Nick Eason and this guy come from. Maybe he's going to be a, a edge coach, if you will. And Eason's more of an interior guy. I could see, a mix like that working. Maybe there's still another linebacker coach to come on, and that's an inside linebacker's coach. We're all speculating, but trying to figure out how these pieces fit together, uh, if it's 
going to be a marriage between two systems. Uh, that sounds good too. So I, you know, as of right now, we're not even confirmed that he's coming here, but all signs are pointing in, in that in that direction. That's right. It's not confirmed that he will be the next linebacker coach for the Bengals. And even if he is, we don't know if he'll be maybe just as as Joe alluded to there, just an outside linebacker coach, and they're still looking for a guy on the inside. He might even just be a defensive assistant. It's not even really clear whether he'll be a position coach. The The report at this point is quite new and unsubstantiated, but initial reports seem to be suggesting that he'll be in as a coach for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. John Sheeran suggests that maybe there's some urgency to get these guys in the building regardless of their history with the 3-4 just because the combine literally started today and it's nice to have those position coaches on staff. Kyle Kasky got hired up in Detroit today. He was spotted at the combine wearing Detroit gear. The running back coach uh, who used to be the running back coach in Cincinnati now running back coach in Detroit. So it could be just that they needed these bodies in and they just wanted to get guys in quick that they thought had a reasonable shot at being good coaches and get them in front of prospects at the combine. That doesn't sound like the best way to get good coaches, but here we are in late February and this is the hand they're dealt with. Or they kind of dealt it themselves, didn't they? Yeah. Bengals fans like to feel like victims, though, so let's blame the NFL policy about announcing head coaches that are still involved in a playoff run, shall we? Let's do that. We're going to take a quick break. That's all the coaching news I think we have to discuss. And afterwards, the meat of the news today is a shocking John Ross trade rumor that has emerged out of Indianapolis. It doesn't make much sense to us on paper. We'll talk about why. We'll talk about all aspects of this trade really after we take a break here is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the lombardi trophy either way join keith sanchez and damian parson for mock draft monday on the locked on nfl draft podcast They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. Man, today we've got some news, really the biggest news since Zach Taylor and Maybe since Anarumo, I guess that's not that crazy. But we've been having something to talk about every couple of days here. This is the biggest personnel move or personnel news this offseason easily. And that's report from Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com. He tweets out, Sources tell me the Cincinnati Bengals are hoping to trade receiver John Ross and will field offers during the combine. We'll have more tonight during his podcast. So... First of all, I, I think a lot of people take a step back in shock when they read something like that. It was picked up quickly by Ian Rappaport, also within minutes, basically tweeting out the same exact thing that, that Tony Pauline did and that the Bengals will field offers and are open to trading him. It, it spread like wildfire after that, as Ross has been a polarizing player ever since being a prospect, not only from the ability standpoint and the 4-2-2 and the injury history and then being selected ninth overall which many people felt like was a reach at the time for Bengals fans you know anytime you draft a guy that is injured that that first year or doesn't produce for that first year I think 
we can quickly grow sour on those guys and look at them from a uh, different perspective moving forward. And, and the league history is against a guy that doesn't produce as a rookie anyways, especially at the receiver position for whatever reason. And in this case, I think we have more details than just comparing them to names on a piece of paper. But with Ross, it seemed that he struggled not only physically with, with the injury history and, and reoccurring injuries, but mentally and feeling worthy and feeling like he can contribute, feeling like he can do it in the NFL. I think this is very common uh, for athletes, especially when they deal with injury. But moving from the college game to the NFL game, being expected to produce and not being able to or not being able to help your teammates, yet you're walking around the locker room every day with them as you're going to rehab, uh, I think it has an effect on a young player, and, and it definitely did. And then the Bengals provided an opportunity for him to play much more in year two by releasing Brandon LaFell. Ended up being Tyler Boyd that exploded onto the scene in 2018. And while Ross had moments, he still had moments of frustration, injury, uh, dealt with drops, poor routes at times. But then he had a lot of flash chunk plays, and some of the best plays this anemic offense had in the second half of the year were due to John Ross. So I think it's hard to swallow this idea that you're trading him after he finally produced and that you could get value for for this player that you just spent the ninth overall pick on. And it's funny because we've talked about their process a lot this, this offseason of win now versus drafting players that can help you in the future and taking position out of it and trying to draft the right guy or the guy that can really change your franchise around. And you go back to 2017 when the – Bengals are on the clock, and they, you know, even before that, when they said they're not interested in drafting a, drafting a quarterback, when they just drafted countless corners and made them sit the bench, and the next three picks are Patrick Mahomes, Marshawn Lattimore, and Deshaun Watson after they selected John Ross. And as we sit two years later, we look back and say, how did they get it so wrong? How was it right in front of them, and they couldn't get past their own, let's win now, let's give a player that can elevate our solid but average quarterback let's elevate him with talent around him and yet they missed or at least currently did because in my opinion if they trade him and the, we'll talk about what the value we should expect but if they trade him this offseason they officially make him a bust in Bengals history and I'm not sure John Ross is yet I'm not sure because we've seen these type of guys these speed weapons even if they don't turn into legit number one type receivers that can dominate a game, they turn into contributors for 10 years in this league, and we've seen it countless times. The famous one who also was a ninth overall pick is Ted Ginn, still playing, still active, still a weapon for for half the teams in the league it seems like he's played for. And he was traded for a fifth-round pick that all, that time ago. You know what, I think it was 2010 or so. It's a long time ago at this point. Uh, Jake, I know you probably feel similarly about, about it as I do. I'm very disappointed. I'm upset to hear it. Honestly, it gave it made my stomach churn for a while after reading the news just because I felt like it was taking three steps back. Not only was the missed opportunity looming over our heads for Patrick Mahomes in the next couple picks for the last two years, just you know having one eye on that situation in, in other cities, but now if they trade him and putting that final nail in the coffin for this team, man, what a wasted opportunity. And there's been so many, and it's the reason why we're sitting in this position we are in 2019. Yeah, I don't know if I had quite that level of a visceral reaction. I didn't really think about the Patrick Mahomes, the, the Deshaun Watson that the Bengals missed on in lieu of John Ross. But for me, it was like a what the hell are you doing kind of thing. 
how does this make any sort of sense? Financially, you're increasing your cap hit for John Ross because you're accelerating all of his remaining signing bonus, and that becomes a one-year cap hit, which would be $5.3 million in dead money in 2019, which is more than he's owed in 2019. So if they trade him, they're paying all that uh, immediately. So they're still paying that signing bonus has been prorated and they're taking an extra $625,000 on the cap this year. So even from like a financial perspective, this is one of the biggest dead cap hits the Bengals would take in the last probably 20 years, I want to say. And, and what kind of compensation are you getting when you're selling low on a guy who, like you said, he had some frustrating issues in 2018, notably the drops, but on the other side of those drops was some incredible contested catches and a lot of success in the end zone. So we've got flashes. We have, a, we have found a place where you can actually hang your hat and say John Ross has a strength, and that is catching touchdowns. He was a red zone weapon. He, he of course, suffered, as did the entire offense when Andy Dalton got hurt and when A.J. Green got hurt. But if you consider that that's really his first full year, if that's John Ross's rookie year, are you are you calling him a bust? I'm not. I'm calling him an unfinished product, and we need to see if he can take that leap. Tyler Boyd took a huge leap in year three. Yep. This is John Ross's year three, and for all intents and purposes, again, it's it's his year two because he lost that entire rookie year. And, you know, there's a couple interesting things here with John Ross. He and Marvin Lewis obviously were not compatible uh, when – a buddy healed a Sacramento Kings basketball player took a like 40 foot three in a game and made it his coach chews him out afterwards. And this went viral last week. Uh, John Ross favorites, the tweet that says, this is how a coach ruins a guy's confidence. And then with the game on the line, that same player healed goes to shoot pretty much the same three that he made a minute ago. And he hesitates, doesn't take the shot. And, and then the, then the Kings lose. So clearly, you know, John Ross didn't appreciate the public call out like that wasn't the way to motivate him in Cincinnati. And and maybe that comes from Duke Tobin. So maybe this is like a you're not a cultural fit for the Bengals organization. Maybe that's coming down from Duke Tobin. Could be. Uh, in addition to that, just a couple other social media things that I find interesting that don't have a ton of bearing on this conversation. But he did favorite Joe Mixon's tweet that said, you ain't going anywhere. And on Snapchat, apparently, he he says social media is toxic in a screenshot showing the trade rumors. And that is something that Rebecca Toback caught. Uh, she's on Twitter, at Rebecca underscore Toback. So there's a couple kind of pieces out there that might indicate John Ross doesn't want to be traded. It's just kind of unclear. He, he's calling social media toxic. Maybe this is an unsubstantiated report in the end. But we're talking about it because two respected voices have said the Bengals are looking to trade, at least shop, but looking to trade John Ross. So, Joe, before we get any further, you had a story I think you wanted to share about the confidence issue with John Ross. Yeah, and like I touched on when I first started talking, that the injuries uh, played a role in that. Marvin Lewis publicly calling him out after uh, stopping on a route in Tennessee as a rookie. Uh, Brandon LaFell tried to talk to him on the sideline. You could see Ross was unreceptive to it. it. There was a lot of things. I think Justin Williams of The Athletic wrote an article in the offseason where he interviewed 
Ross and and Ross really talked about his own mental state and trying to recover and get back to normal uh, so he can have a productive year. But I remember this had to be about midway through the season. And as we all were, I was complaining publicly on Twitter um, about Ross not getting enough targets created for him, not getting enough opportunities. The offense is starting to struggle and they're not going to him. And I was talking to a coach about the same thing. And his response was, why would we create plays for him? Or why would we throw him this certain ball that on a play I was talking about if he can't catch, if he's not running routes hard enough? And there may be some validity to that, right? Because he had issues with drops and there was complaints of him not running the right route at the right time. But I was flabbergasted at that response because this is potentially one of the most talented players on your roster. You spent the ninth overall pick on him when other people didn't think you should have. So you went out on a limb and say, nope, this is, this is our guy. And now the coaching staff is, at least behind the behind closed doors, chewing him out and, and, and showing lack of confidence. And this guy's already dealing with confidence issues himself. You can see in the way he was playing, the way he would let balls get to his chest, the way he would try to catch pass and look like he's never caught a ball in his life before with his hands upside down. Those are telltale signs that a guy is in his own mind and he needs to get out of it, and he can get out of it. We see players rebound from this. Sometimes it's just a game, two, three, four. Sometimes it's a year or two. Uh, So there's a chance he could have gotten out of it with some confidence and some backing and a support system on this team. And when you hear it from the coaches that they don't believe in him, man, you might as well throw everything in the trash at that point because – if they don't believe in him and he doesn't believe in himself, what are we doing here? Part of your job as a coach isn't just to teach X's and O's. isn't just to help technique. It's to make sure these guys' minds are right so they can go out there and perform for you at the highest level. And here's a coach that just, you know, I couldn't believe when he said it. I just, and here he goes and struggles the rest of the year after that. And the team continued to not go to him for three quarters at a time. Remember that? Until they really forced him, what, 14 targets in those last three weeks. He, he caught three of them. And that's when Green was out, Boyd was out. He still got Jeff Driscoll thrown to him. He had the highest amount of uncatchable deep targets in the league. I mean, yeah, his confidence was low, but he had no one to help him rebound to get back to it, and it, it just drives me nuts. Yeah, there's a lot of frustrating aspects to the way the Bengals dealt with John Ross after going out and spending that first-round pick on him. I, I feel like I remember reading some rumors that that was a Duke Tobin pick and, and Marvin Lewis wasn't for it, but that was one where Duke overruled Marvin Lewis and said this is a guy that you know is going to put the offense over the top. It's the weapon we need. That's our, that's our next gear. This is going to be and- our piece. And James Urban was the wide receiver coach, and he was the one coach that did like Ross and did think he could be a contributor and he could help. Um, Obviously, uh, Urban left for the Ravens after Ross's rookie year, replaced by Bob Bicknell. And here we are, you know, a year and some change later, and there's talks of trading him now because he doesn't have that backing anymore behind him. So that's kind of how Joe and I feel on a gut, emotional, reactive level to this news that the Bengals are looking to trade John Ross. We're going to take a little bit of a break, collect our thoughts, and come back and talk about what kind of player it is that exactly we're trading, what is the skill set that they're losing, what's, you know, if we're talking about 2019 for Ross, what's the best case for him individually, what's, you know, if he's stagnant, what are we expecting what can we expect in terms of a return? So we'll be talking about those factors after just one last break. Stick with us for that. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. We are talking John Ross and trying to let our emotions cool a little bit, look at this level-headed, and try and understand why they may do this, why maybe he would want to move on, what type of compensation should they receive or expect to receive. And first, we're going to talk about Ross as a player on the field. Uh, obviously, we expect him to be a deep threat, kind of a guy you can run a lot of gadget stuff with, whether it's end of rounds and reverses, jet sweeps, uh, maybe even some return game. Someone that should be good after the catch. We haven't seen all of those things. We have seen his quickness in the red zone, and that's about it, the, it at this point. That's how he ended up accumulating seven touchdowns. Uh, the deep speed wasn't always there, but yeah, I have a lot of clips that I've saved of him winning deep and not getting looked at in this offense. So I think there was some frustration on his end in that. Uh, but at the same time, I think when you look at it and you say, and, and I was having this conversation on Twitter today with Vance Meek, Bengals fan, uh, draft analyst, he does all that rights, but we're talking about Boyd and green being free agents after 2019 and, how it's really just Erickson and Ross on the roster beyond in 2020 and beyond and how they're going to have to make a decision. Because what if John, we, we mentioned, what if John Ross has a year three like Tyler Boyd and really explodes and takes that next step? Uh, you have to make a hard decision on A.J. Green at that point because you're going to sign the two young guys in Tyler Boyd and John Ross. But then we both, and I think everyone agrees that we'd really love to see A.J. Green finish out his career with the Bengals extend him, and figure it out after. Maybe you have three good receivers. Maybe you're paying three receivers, but make it a strength of the roster. And maybe the Bengals think Green can still play for for four or five more years into his late 30s, and they're going to pay him good money. And they're committed to Tyler Boyd, even though it's only been one year. It's kind of, you know, there's some risks there to pay him right now this offseason. But maybe they'll say, you know what, we've got a one and two here, and we'll sign both of them. This John Ross thing is not for long either way and if he wants out if we think it's a good mix to get get him out of here or a good time to get him out of here then let's dump him and see what we can get i don't agree with that logic uh, i think jake agrees with me also here you would play him one more year into year three in an offense that has used three receivers in in la and used all of them well and and knew how to get each guy the ball in their own special way and i think if that's the case i think we were all excited to see john ross in this zach taylor offense and if you can up his value in one more year, it may make your decisions harder, but it would bring a return that's much more lucrative than what we're expecting this offseason. Yeah, like if you're dead set on trading him, let's make the financially responsible decision to minimize the cap penalties and see if we can get him to take a step. I mean, just the even the fact that they're talking about trading him has to be rough on his confidence in the first place, talking about confidence issues that this guy's had. And I know like, a lot of you listening are probably thinking like, okay, this is the NFL. He needs to man up and, and, you know, get over himself. And he's been very open with the media about his struggles with depression. So let's not go too far down that road. Let's not get in his Twitter mentions or anything like that. Let's be, you know, decent human beings here. But 
Yeah, it's it's just it's it doesn't make sense to me on a rational level either. We've talked about the money, we've talked about the skill set, we've talked about the possibility that he has that year three, you know, year three next step. So I mean, if we're talking about what, like a fifth round pick, a fourth round pick, what are they really expecting here? I, I just don't see how this could possibly end up with a good result, even if even if I don't agree with the process, right? So we've talked about the process here the, and the thinking that's going into this of they're trading a guy who has a lot of dead cap this year, could take a year three step, has shown some promise, has had some mental issues that you could probably iron out, is getting a new offense with a new coaching staff, which is as much of a quote-unquote fresh start as you can get in the NFL without going to a new team. You know, what what are we doing here? Yeah, what's the logic? Where does it make sense unless you're doing a salad for a player? Which, in this case, why would you? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about it, it makes you wonder, is this a complete or the start, the first hint, the first concrete hint of a complete reset button or rebuild or blowing it up? And I think, you know, we've re- reports recently of we're sticking with Andy Dalton. We want to resign A.J. Green. Those things made you think, OK, maybe it's not a complete you know, implosion of the roster. But then why give up a guy going into year three at at receiver? That's going to help Andy Dalton look good, right? That's going to help this offense look better. Didn't the offense look, at, look its best when they had Green, Boyd, Ross, and Eifert out there? You potentially are losing Tyler Eifert this offseason. You want to lose John Ross also with that? I mean, that's a handful of touchdowns and, and targets from this offense to just rip out that way. And in an offense, that's going to be a three-wide receiver team. Are you guys prepared now to spend a third round pick at wide receiver because you need that, need that guy to start, or you got to go into free agency and dip in there, which they can't now because they'll be way over the positional spending, eating John Ross's cap hit, extending Boyd, extending AJ Green. You can't dip into free agency now, so don't bring up any free agents unless they're taking vet minimum. So you're going to have to go in and spend multiple draft picks at this position in order to fill that. And John Ross wasn't great, but he at least had speed. He at least scored seven touchdowns. Filling that production is not going to be automatic. It, uh, it could be another fourth-round pick, Josh Malone, that really doesn't do anything. It, it's, and I'm not a proponent of you know saying the draft is a complete crapshoot. I think you can find receivers anywhere, but you have to spend picks on it and you have to invest in it. And the Bengals have, and now they want to throw it away quickly before they know what they have. I don't like that plan. I think it's it's premature, and it'd be premature for John Ross if it's if it's. If this is the Bengals doing it, it's premature. If it's John Ross pursuing a trade, it's premature, John. You're, it's too early for that. Uh, even if they want to extend Green and, and and Boyd, and maybe he's looking at it from that perspective. Well, I'm going to be the number three receiver. I'm not going to catch any balls. I'm not going to get I'm not going to get consistent targets. Uh, there's some truth to that. And, and but look at Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu. They they were biding their time until it was there an opportunity for them to go get paid in a productive offense, a highly productive 2015 offense where they all contributed in different ways and injuries happen as we've just seen in this past year, the opportunities will be there. I just, there's nothing for me to wrap my head around because we even in compensation. Now someone said to me, well, if you still think he has the potential to uh, be a decent contributor, what would you accept for him then? Would you take a second round pick? And I'm like, Yes, I would, because I think if they're dead set on trading him, there's no way they get even close to that. I think at best case scenario, right, is Eli Apple traded from the Giants to the Saints last year, got the Giants a fourth and sixth round pick. So are you willing to trade John Ross for a fourth and sixth round pick at best case? 
geez, I, even even the biggest detractors probably wouldn't take that. And Mike Brown does have a history of overvaluing his guys in terms of compensation. And sometimes it works. He almost traded A.J. McCarron for a second and a third. He traded Carson Palmer for a first and a second when Carson was literally sitting out. And the NFL knew that there was no leverage in Cincinnati, given Hugh Jackson was involved in both of those. And there's no Hugh Jackson for, for the Bengals to trade with at this point. But somebody like John Ross before the draft and might be interested. So maybe, you know, maybe Mike Brown finds another sweet deal. Maybe there's a pick swap. Maybe in James Rapine fantasy land, this means they're trading for Odell Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> and the the thing to me is maybe they do get in position to want to move up and draft a quarterback, right? Or move up anywhere. Maybe it's it get, moves you up in the second round. And we've seen in these mocks that we do how some of that talent really drops off by the time pick 40 comes and the Bengals are at 42. Maybe it just allows you to move up five spots in the second round and it and it yields a starting linebacker or right tackle. Then that would be, you know, we wouldn't know for a couple more months, but that could be beneficial to the team, obviously. At the same time, uh, man, it would just be a complete waste of a pick at this point. And it, it's going to be anyways. If they're willing to trade him, John Ross is a bust for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I will still follow his career and keep an eye on it because I think you get him a good quarterback, especially one that can use him deep. You get him in a good offense that's going to use him, keep his confidence up, feed him consistent balls with opportunities to run after the catch. I think he's still going to be a productive player in the NFL. I think he flashed that enough this year to, to really I'm not getting off this hill yet until he's out of the, out of the NFL, out of the league. Yeah. I mean, and you look around the league, you look at the teams that were competing late into the playoffs, and you're going to tell me that if any of those teams had John Ross, he wouldn't have had a better year. He wouldn't have found ways to be productive. I don't buy it. And and you know what? The other thing that's weird about this to me with Zach Taylor specifically is he's talking about getting the most out of his guys and elevating the players. And instead, it's just like, you know what? We we're just going to get rid of John Ross because we don't we don't we don't want to deal with it. You know, like we don't we didn't draft him. He's not our guy. He's not Bob Bicknell's guy. Uh, that that doesn't sit very well with me either. Nothing Isn't that about half this. of the roster at this point. Well, it's I mean, the whole new roster. coaches, right? I mean, besides a few coaches that have hung on and, and are still there, but it, are we just starting the purge? I mean, this is not uncommon. Is this where you would start? No. Why would you <laughs> start not. here? I know, but it's not uncommon for a new head coach and new system to come in and wipe out half the roster. I battle with people all the time on Twitter that they'll say, this isn't a rebuild. This isn't a rebuild. It's a retool, whatever that means, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. New coaches bring new players and purge the roster. And it happens all the time. And you will lose good talent to other teams that are waiting to poach it. And I hate seeing it happen before we know it's, you know, we're not, we weren't prepared. We weren't ready yet. And now here we are. As soon as the combine starts, that's where the rumor mill starts. And, day one we get a report uh, of of such moves potentially happening and i think if this is like they're they're exploring trades for like aj green i'm like okay that means we're resetting i get it this makes sense this is a proven veteran we know what he's worth you can get a second maybe a first for him or, or maybe not maybe i'm still overvaluing aj green's trade value but that makes more sense to me than trading john ross 
this just it doesn't make sense as a first step of a rebuild it doesn't make sense in terms of value they could recoup it doesn't make sense in terms of player development it doesn't make sense in terms of zach taylor's message it doesn't make sense in terms of roster construction and team needs so it makes sense to me on zero levels would it possibly be used as a motivator and i talked about how ross has struggled right is this the last like last step that they haven't tried like maybe we'll say we're gonna trade him because this is just like Marvin Lewis putting him on blast, and that didn't work. Showing, I think the players may be coming out and showing public support. Maybe One the coaching them. staff coming out, right. Maybe the coaching staff, you know, if it's well-coordinated, it could work, right? If the front office says, hey, publicly put out a report that we're interested in training him, and then Zach Taylor calls him and says, I'm not letting him trade you. I got big plans for you this year. You're one of our cornerstone guys. I'm going to get you the ball. I mean, you could spark some confidence that you way. You know what? If that's, if that's the play... If that's the play, Zach Taylor, you are a mastermind, and and you're playing. Well, I just 4D made it up chess. on the spot, though. So what's that mean about me? Well, yeah, I think that's a creative solution. Obviously, our listeners. I talk to all... my Madden players about this when I'm doing a franchise mode. I, I tell them, you know, player, player sixty nine. Listen, you are a cornerstone player for me. I need you to move inside and play defensive tackle. It works. I mean, sure. I think our listeners know you're creative about the way you would manage a football team. <laughs> In the in the Joe Goodberry for GM campaign we saw, or what was it? Was it GM or head coach? It can't be head coach. Yeah, you, you can't coach a football team. No, I would not <laughs> even try. Like if someone said, hey, Jake, we want to bring you in for an interview, a job that's way over your head, right? You'd go for the interview because it's really a lucrative job. You're going to get paid a lot. But uh, you'd get there and be like, listen, guys, what do you got me? What are you doing here? Is this is a public shaming. Do you got cameras? What do you do? I can't answer anything about X's and O's here. It's a prank show. Maybe the, maybe it's a prank show. It's a John Ross prank John show. Ross. Yeah, John Ross. Yeah, John Ross is John covered it. John Ross is in the Truman Show. <laughs> That's a good movie. So okay, real quick before before we let this go and sign off, we're, we're starting to we're starting to go on some tangents here. Let's say let's say there's a best case. Let's let's go two best case outcomes. The first of them is that this is being used as a tricky motivational tactic. Or that there's no foundation to this rumor. Maybe another team wants John Ross for some reason and decided to leak this and and think that that would actually manifest the trade talks. Uh, so so the two best cases that I see, one of them he stays on the Bengals, he he breaks out. The other one is what what return, what return would actually make this like would justify this this process as we've talked about it. What outcome? makes the approach okay. I think if they found a way to get a player they believe can neither help or start for them, and maybe it's a similar situation to a John Ross elsewhere. The Bengals feel receiver is an area of strength, and they look at a team that maybe they view offensive line or linebacker as an area of strength, and we can unload a guy for a speed weapon at, at receiver. And if that's the case, I think we can get around or, or get wrap our heads around it and get behind it if it works out in the end, obviously we, you don't know until the season plays out and we could speculate, but uh, you know, I like, I think of a guy like Ethan Posick from the Seahawks, who's a center guard type. He played tackle also at LSU, uh, but he was a second round pick in 2017, 58th overall. Uh, he hasn't played much. He played 640 snaps his rookie year. He played 300 snaps year two. Uh, Pro football focus has not been kind to him graded as a 50 as a rookie and a 49 or a 45.9 in his sophomore year. Uh, 
I could see that being a type of situation where you say, listen, we could use offensive line help. You guys could use a speed receiver. And I don't know if the Seahawks do, but point being is that would be a trade where I could see look coming out and saying, well, that was best case scenario. Well, at least we have a best case scenario. We'll see what happens. I mean, maybe maybe this Bengals, maybe this new Bengals coaching staff is just like, you know, what? we're going to leak everything to the media. It's a, a, a 180 from Marvin Lewis who wouldn't talk to media and maybe 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 this sort of stuff happens all the time and it's just out now. I don't know. The NFL is changing. Trades are becoming more common. Player for player trades are becoming more common. Maybe Zach Taylor heard us talk about pick swaps and was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I guess. I mean, is this the kind of this isn't the Patriots want to trade a first round bust for a pick swap? Would they? Is that something they've done? Um, I think more likely they would hold on to that guy. They would be the ones trading for John yeah. Ross, right? Yeah. The way they did for Philip Dorsett. And there's, I mean, the list goes on. They've done this plenty of times. Yeah. They're the team that would look at it as, oh, it's only a two point whatever cap it, 2.4. And he had seven touchdowns last year. We struggled with outside speed in the Super Bowl. Look at that game. Look no further. And then I'm sitting here. You tell me the the Patriots are calling. I'm not trading with the Patriots, all right? I'm never trading with the Patriots because I feel like they're going to win the trade, and now I want to keep the player. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? Let's wrap up. I'm tired of this shit. Yeah, me too. Let's do something that makes sense, Bengals. That'll do it for Lockdown Bengals. We'll get back on our position review tomorrow. It'll be a quick one tomorrow. Um, we'll talk about combine measurements too. We'll have some of those initial measurements for offensive, offensive linemen line. tomorrow. Yeah. They're important. And we're going to draft one. Two, at least. Two. Hopefully, unless it goes like it did in our mock yesterday. For Joe, I'm Jake. This has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast, your daily Bengals podcast on the Lockdown Network. We will see you tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.